This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. When you balance these nutrients, when you balance these hormones, you actually end up in states where those things that we call symptoms tend to fall away. So we don't make any claims at all in health optimization medicine practice. We just say, if you want to live your best life, if you want to thrive both physically and mentally, balancing your nutrients, balancing your hormones will certainly help in that endeavor. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to episode 103 of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. I am really super excited about this episode. Recently, I attended the biohacking conference and one of the vendors was a company called Troscriptions, which sells a little trochee, which a trochee is simply a small lozenge designed to slowly dissolve between a person's cheek and gum. As the trochee dissolves, the ingredients are gradually absorbed through the cheek mucosa into the bloodstream. These little trochees are amazing. And I purchased four of them, which each of the containers contained four of these little trochees. I was totally amazed at the amazing immediate effects of the combo of methylene blue, nicotine, CBD, and caffeine in these trochees. I was so excited about these little trochees that I reached out to Troscriptions to see if I could have someone on the podcast to talk about blue canatine. Boomer Anderson responded to my request, and that is what this episode is all about. Troscriptions. Blue canatine 
and methane blue. Boomer Anderson is driven by curiosity, long tail opportunities. Boomer's personal philosophy of challenging the process led to the acquisition of an eclectic number of roles. In no particular order, Boomer is an entrepreneur, practitioner, boyfriend, human guinea pig, speaker, and investor. Boomer is deeply involved in the business development strategy with Smarter, Not Harder Incorporated. He also serves as the head of health optimization practice in Europe, which is part of the Home Hope Association, a nonprofit. As a practitioner, Boomer helps other entrepreneurs change the world by optimizing their health. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And I actually really enjoyed this conversation with Boomer. And we really dig deep into methylene blue and these little magical trochies. Thank you and God bless. I am beyond excited about today's episode. I have Boomer Anderson with me to talk about this magical little trochee by transcriptions called Just Blue or Blue Canatine. And first of all, Boomer, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast. Um, I'm so glad to be here. Man, love I, the so, Georgia, I love the Georgia connection. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that, but it's a, it's a small world. So, you know, and it's we're in an interesting time. So when something like that happens, it's even smaller. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know... I, before we dig into this magical little trochee, sure. How did you go from being a banker, a rock star banker, by the way, from what I read on your LinkedIn profile, to into this health realm? Yeah, <laughs> it's um, that could take up a whole episode in itself. So. About four and a half years ago is when I left. And, you know, just to kind of sum up the the backdrop there, uh, my entire life has been all around performance and the idea of how to live my best life, both physically, mentally, in every single way possible. And uh, one of the you know benefits of working in finance, uh, at least originally when I started, was you got rewarded for performing at your best. And I always had to have a benchmark, a measurement to perform at my best. And so um, when I graduated in 2008 from university, I ended up going to Wall Street. Wall Street sent me to Singapore, um, did quite well in Singapore. And at the great age of 26, ended up running a, a financing desk overseeing about 14 different countries, which... Uh, at that time, was I didn't think of it as cool as it really was. Like I was getting flown all over the world, forty countries in four years, and just uh, continually under pressure. And I saw health as sort of the the Archimedes lever, if you will, in order to get me perform uh, at my absolute best. So health has already has always been this sort of cornerstone of my life. And you know, when I got to this point at the age of 30, I I decided to resign and I was going to start my own company, uh, predominantly building an app because at that time, you know, everybody built apps, right? (laughs) Like that was the thing to do. And in the process, I, I, you know, 
this whole journey in finance, I got really into quantified self and really understanding a little bit more about uh, the relationship between uh, tracking data points and performance and all that. Because like, I was very comfortable with extremely large data sets. And so uh, I, I enjoyed the quantified self point. But on the way out of banking, I, I went into my doctor in Singapore. Uh, his name's Dr. Stephen Tucker. And he, him, him and I are really good friends. And he was one of the few people that actually understood me in terms of what I wanted, which was basically a green light to order whatever test. And so I finally got that green light. And one of the tests I ordered on the way out of banking, because at that point I had a good health insurance plan and, you know, I I live in the Netherlands now, so it's basically universal healthcare, but I had a good health insurance plan. And one of the things that came up was that I had uh, calcium in my heart. And so you know, one of these things that you kind of, I had one plan to start an app because everybody was building apps. And then I found out that I had this calcium issue. And so at that moment in time, you kind of pause, you say, okay, I can either keep doing what I'm doing or more of what I'm doing, which is basically building the app, or I can take some time, unpeel the layers of the onion, really get to the bottom of this. Uh, The way I did that was extremely methodical in the sense that went through a lot of data, uh, genetics, metabolomics, et cetera. I eventually started a podcast to reach out to various experts around the world and got really, really into this health thing. I was showing people what I had done. And as a result of some of that work, uh, they approached me and said, hey, can you do the same thing for me? And so I ended up inadvertently getting into the health coaching, health consulting space as a result of uh, of that work. But uh, the transition from finance, just to answer your question, uh, was really more about a necessity. Like I never intended to be a coach and advisor to somebody. It was more of a, a result of the work that I was doing on myself. And you know, today I'm in a much better spot than I was then. And so I, I now look at health more in terms of a different question that I'm asking. It's like, how can I most affect the people on this planet? And I look at that and I did a lot of analysis around just sort of uh, what can I do that could uh, change this planet and the potential outcomes for the better. And really there's, there's talk about sustainability and yes, that's very, very important, but how do I get people to, to think better? How do I get people to make better decisions? And so a lot of the work that I do now is focused on my particular view on that, which is moving the needle on health and really improving the health of the world. It's awesome. I, I can't agree anymore. I mean, that's 100% why I, what drove me into this mm-hmm. and what drove me into the podcast realm was to, you know, I don't know how many people, I got quite a few downloads and, and that's okay, but I don't really care. My point is for this whole podcast is to put as much information out to the space that it affects somebody. Yeah. It opens their eyes to changing what they believe in their health. Because, you know, especially in today's world, we live in a world over here, especially in America, as you well know, because you're originally from the Minnesota area, right? Or so I went to school in Minnesota. Yeah. I was uh, I grew up a little bit of a. I wouldn't say I was a nomad. It was like Chicago, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Okay. But went to school in Minnesota. So okay. 
So you're you're familiar with the the industrialized food over here in America, of course, which is course. leading to many many complications, and now so more with COVID, you know, and diabetes being one of the number one effectors of getting the COVID virus, mm-hmm. and that comes from the food. So I, I the reason I started all this was my journey was the same. I was diagnosed with something that I need to fix, and mm-hmm. I fixed it, and I wanted to go into this health coach realm. And help people change their lives. And I, so I admire people like yourself and your podcast, which is Decoding Superhuman is amazing. Thank you. It's, uh, I've gotten into this biohacking realm, as you quote, say it. And, uh, yeah. and I really enjoy it. And, you know, it's uh, your, so, you know, Ben Greenfield, of course, you, Dave Asbury, and uh, I was just listening to an episode from Mark Hyman this morning about, uh, I don't remember what it started. Anyway, it was about biohacking. And mm-hmm. he had Dave Asbury on there. So it's, it's interesting. And we're going to get into that a little bit. How is your health condition now? I'm good. So if you look at uh, just kind of every single available biomarker that could lead to any sort of mortality, I've improved immensely. Okay, good. Um, is the calcium still there? Yes. But has it slowed and stopped? Yes. And so if you look at calcium scores, uh, they grow by 15 to, I, don't know, tw- I think it's 10 to 20% a year uh, if you do nothing. And mine stopped effectively. And so the next step is really to reverse it. And um, you know, every single benchmark that matters has improved. And what I, I guess the logical question is, is what did I do wrong before? Because I was paying attention to a lot of these things, but I was always angled to this idea of performance. And what I didn't equate was performance optimization. There is a natural correlation between performance optimization and health optimization. And one of the things I was missing was, okay, yeah, I, I looked... I looked good. I had something like a sub 10% body fat. I was on top of my game mentally, but I was stressed out of my mind and I was sleeping less. Basically from the age of 18 to 30, I slept between four and six hours a night, which we're going to talk a lot about brain performance optimization today. And there's absolutely no way that your brain can be performing at its best when you're getting sub eight hours a night if you're an eight hour sleeper in terms of just being able to clear out all the toxins and things that come into your brain. Because we know the lymphatic system, for instance, only works when you're sleeping at night. Yeah, we're going to dive into health optimization, but Mm -hmm. I have to agree with you on the sleep thing because I struggle with sleep only because I was on a medicine called Seroquel, which really tore apart my neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. Just Just crazy killed them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on rebuilding my neurotransmitters back up to a level so that I can sleep without the aid of any substances. Mm-hmm. And uh, But sleep's a biggie. And people brag about, well, I only sleep four hours a night. Well, it's nothing to brag about because eventually it's going to get you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's absolutely true, right? So if you look at conceptually, uh, there's a gene called, I think it's DEC2, um, where that only 3% of the world, and I've never met anybody that actually has one of these, 
has the variant that allows you to get less than six hours of sleep a night. And so why do we continually, and America, like I'm, I'm American, I have my passport. We are card carrying, you know, Puritan work ethic people, right? We roll up our sleeves and we get stuff done. And we wear it as sort of a, a almost a badge on our shoulder that we don't sleep as much. But the fact is, is that I could turn you into a much more productive person if you just sleep. It's obviously not that simple, but um, there's a there's a few dots to connect there. But it's uh, it's definitely a key to performance. Yes, I agree 100. percent Let's dive into human optimization since that's where you that's where you went from with uh, your schooling and uh, basically mm-hmm. your your podcast decoding superhuman is about human optimization mm-hmm. and. And that is a key for me for functioning at my age at 61 is, you know, is getting every ounce of my body or giving every ounce of myself, my health at that level of optimizing everything. And that's Mm -hmm. where these little trochies came in, which we're going to hit in a minute. But what human optimization and also we'll dive into your connection with home and hope. Okay. So go for it. Sure. So um, we've already covered my interest in health optimization, right. human optimization. So uh, human optimization fundamentally to me is just sort of if I'm on this planet, I don't know how many times you, you come back or if you come back at all. Right. Uh, but I want to live my absolute best life while I'm here. And so if I want to do that. I want to be in an optimized state. And so an optimized state to me is one of thriving, thriving both physically and mentally. Um, And so about slightly over a year ago, I was uh, doing a podcast uh, with Dr. Scott Scher, who's an expert in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And then after that podcast, he connected me to Dr. Ted Achikoso. And Ted and I just clicked right away. Uh, we did. We were scheduled for 45 minutes on a podcast. We ended up going for three hours talking about anything, uh, everything, actually, under the sun. And at the end of it, or he made uh, a few comments during that podcast that made a lot of sense to me. And I'll, I'll share what those are in a second. But at the end of it, he basically said, you know, hey, I, I said to him, you know, how do I learn from you? And he's like, you know, I have this foundation. Uh, health optimization medicine and practice, why don't you come join us and kind of wave the flag for us in Europe? I thought, okay, and thought he was joking. Uh, I saw him a couple of months later in London. It turns out he wasn't. And what I really enjoyed about that conversation with Ted and his health, view on health is that uh, when we think of health, uh, there's this common misconception that uh, people, uh, particularly uh, in, <laughs> like my brother, who lives not too far from you, they view health as diet and exercise, right? And uh, health in reality is so much more. Uh, we've gotten really, really, uh, due to a lot of advertisement by 23andMe and others, uh, we've gotten really into this idea of genetics, right? And so if genetics is the blueprint, um, and we've all heard of the genome, well, what other things can we actually get ourselves into? And so the, the genome is the blueprint for where you should be. Uh, then epigenome is really the environmental impact on that. Well, if you go downstream, you can get into this area called the metabolome, which is actually the study of our cells and our cellular level health, 
where it was and where it ha- where it has been and where it is right now. Uh, now that's interesting because if we start to look at the metabolome and what our cells are made of, well, our cells are actually originally constructed of a symbiotic relationship between mitochondria and other ancient bacteria. And so we have this symbiotic relationship existing all throughout our bodies. But within that symbiotic relationship, we also have things like gut bacteria. We have, uh, we actually have skin bacteria. We have all kinds of these things that make up our, our microbiome. Uh, we have viruses, not just the very popular one at the moment. We have viruses dormant that were, are, are within us, uh, called our virome. We have fungi, perhaps the most popular or most well-known one is candida. And that consists of our mycobiome. And all of these ohms collectively come together and have a name. Uh, and it's actually called the holobiont. And so the holobiont was a term that was proposed by Dr. Lynn Margolis, I believe, in 1992. And what you're essentially looking at there is you are actually a collection of organisms. And so if we reframe health from just this esoteric diet and exercise thing to looking at the health of our holobiont, isn't that a better way to look at things? So if we're looking at it that way, then our health is actually determined by the health of our organisms. And therefore, we should be measuring those organisms to determine how healthy we are. Now, health optimization medicine and practice measures that health of the holobiont, if you will, but it looks at it in terms of, of balancing, right? Because in the past, we've got ourselves in trouble with this uh, these sort of reductionist thinking in terms of, and you mentioned Dr. Mark Hyman, who is uh, extremely involved in the Institute of Functional Medicine. Uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Patrick Hannaway, used to be the director of education at the Institute of Functional Medicine. And you know, the idea of functional medicine is looking at root causes to illness. In health optimization medicine and practice, we actually don't look at root causes to illness. What we're doing is we're looking at nutrients and your nutrient network and your hormone network, and then we're balancing them. And so we're not actually looking at symptoms. We're just balancing your nutrients. And what we find is, is that when you balance these nutrients, when you balance these hormones, you actually end up in states where those things that we call symptoms tend to fall away. So we don't make any claims at all in health optimization medicine practice. We just say, if you want to live your best life, if you want to thrive both physically and mentally, balancing your nutrients, balancing your hormones will certainly help in that endeavor. And so Health Optimization Medicine Practice Foundation actually educates doctors and practitioners to uh, optimize for health because Healthcare is a little bit of a misnomer right now. In fact, we are very good as a society at treating things like uh, gunshot wounds or emergency room visits, broken arms. Great. Go to those doctors. Go to the emergency room. Please don't go to your health optimization practitioner. But if you want to get to a state where your nutrients are balanced, your hormones are balancing, you're thriving, that's where health optimization medicine and practice comes in. Nice. And you're 100% correct. Allopathic medicine is better for triage than it is yeah. maintaining a healthy life. Exactly. Like if you're already if you're already sick, if you've already broken your arm, allopathic medicine is a great it's a great tool. Like I have nothing against it. Right. Let's just 
not say it's not the best tool for optimizing your health. I don't know about you, but let's say five years ago, I would go into my doctor, actually more like six. I'd go into my doctor and it'd be like, I have nothing wrong with me. I just want to see what my levels are and I want to know what my optimal levels are. And every doctor, and I was living in Singapore at the time, would just look at me and be like, you're freaking crazy. Like, oh, you're fine to come back to me when you're sick. And I didn't like that. And so when I was talking to Ted and he was saying all of these things, it was like music to my ears. And obviously I, I wanted to join and help that out as much as I could. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you more about that as far as getting involved with that, because that's mm-hmm. really what my goal is in life is to explain, you know, because I, I look at lab work and people say, well, the doctor said I'm normal. Yeah, that's great. How do you feel? Yeah, <laughs> it's like doc says I'm normal, but I feel like crap. And right. Nobody wants to listen to me. Right. <laughs> so. And when, you know, when you're fresh out, like you went to FDN, I believe, correct? I did FDN. Um, I've done a few other certifications. Yeah, right. Well. I saw that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I went to School of Applied Functional Medicine with Tracy Harrison. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did look at FDN. And uh, and then there's another uh, functional health. Anyway, that's here nor there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of like... And when people ask me about, well, my doctor's not normal. And I say, well, let me see your lab work. And I look at their lab work and there's ranges that are they're within normal. Yeah. But there's Can we a talk reason. about reference ranges real quick? Sure, absolutely. So uh, let's talk about reference ranges because reference ranges amuse me. Uh, so the reference range by which you're looking at in most lab work is constructed by these large organizations, LabCorp, uh, Quest Diagnostics, et cetera. And what they're doing is they're applying a normal distribution onto a very large data set. Now, the question is, is what is in that data set? And they're getting better at this, but there used to be instances where things like TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormone, helps activate your thyroid, right? Would look at, would comprise of reference data points from somebody who is eight years old all the way up to 64 years old. Now, how is that relevant necessary? How is an eight-year-old's TSH level or a 64-year-old TSH level relevant to me as a person who's 34 years old and male? So these reference ranges need to be looked at differently. And this is why we look at particularly hormones in terms of what's the optimal range for somebody who's 20 to 29 years old. Um, And we look at nutrients in terms of optimal ranges there as well. And, And all of these should be built within context. It shouldn't necessarily be based on populations. Agreed. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves and especially for men with testosterone when they come back at 200 and 300 mm-hmm. and they're normal. And yet most men that I know, especially at 61, feel like dog shit at, you know, at, at 300. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, um, and, and then you start to, you can unpeel the layers, the onion right. there. Okay. Is it, if it's not tea, then what is it? It's, right. It could be, okay, is the person sleeping like crap, like whatever. Usually that has a net effect on tea, but not all the time. And so there's other, I like to look at it in terms of that holobiont perspective. Also the holo, um, within health optimization medicine practice, we have a number of different verticals. And so we look at 
The metabolome I already mentioned and went into detail on. We look at the, the gut immune system. We look at epigenetics. We look at evolutionary biology or evolutionary medicine. So what does this mean in the context of evolution? We look at the exposome or the environment around you. We look at chronobiology in terms of uh, your your sleep cycles and your biological rhythms, which that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Uh, and then you look at all of that in context, and then you're able to make very precise recommendations for a person. And you can determine, okay, if a person who's 61 and has a, a T of 200 to 300 is still feeling like crap, well, maybe there's a different input into why they feel like crap. Are they eating a good diet? I don't know. Uh, but you can ask the right questions then. Right. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into this magical little uh, trochee. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, for people who don't know what a trochee is, let's start there. And I'm familiar with trochees because we use it for uh, female hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. administering estradiol and progesterone, and or mm-hmm. not so much progesterone, but testosterone. Mm-hmm. To females, but uh, could you let's just start with the basics of what is a trochee and dive into because we're going into nootropics, yep, and uh, and your brain, which is nootropics are a supplement for your brain or a smart drug, yep. And let's start with the, the trochee. I mean, it's a pretty simple little device, yeah, and uh, then we yeah. can go talk about the nootropics and what. Where must you be foundationally as a human to even dive into nootropics? Because I'm this really is, glad you make that point. Because this is supplements are great and they can mm-hmm. fix a lot of things more mm-hmm. so than people believe. And some of the supplements that you know, like magnesium, is in my opinion, is in fish oil, are two of the most popular that everybody should be taking if they're not. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the nootropic and the trochee. And transcriptions, we'll go into in depth, but let's talk about the basics of this while, and we'll dive into transcriptions after that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about the basics and then I'll, I'll connect the okay. dots on how home hope uh, is related to transcriptions okay. in a little bit. All right. So let's talk about the trochee. So the mechanism that we are delivering this to, to people is something called a buccal trochee. Um, some people say buccal, I say buccal. Uh, but a buccal trochee is essentially a lozenge, and we're all familiar with lozenges, right? Like we grew up with anything from, uh, I guess, what was the good, the really good um, advertisement growing up, Ricola. That would think of that as sort of the lozenge, right? And the lozenge, you kind of put it between your mouth and you let it dissolve and you suck on it, et cetera. A buccal trochee is a uh, a delivery mechanism to your buccal mucosa, which is your upper lip. Uh, those of you who have experimented with chewing tobacco before, I hope you're not doing it anymore, but there are some forms that go into your upper lip. Um, and this is a, a very similar delivery mechanism. It has nothing to do with tobacco otherwise. 
Um, but essentially what you're doing with a buccal trochee is you take a piece of it and with uh, transcriptions, uh, particularly blue canatine and just blue, it's divided into four. And so each trochee can be divided into four different doses. So therefore there's 16 doses depending on your own indiv individual dose that you can use. And what you do is you stick it in your upper lip. And the key here is to let it uh, sit in your upper lip and try not to mix it with your saliva as much as possible. Um, the reason for this is because it absorbs into your buccal mucosa, which actually bypasses first pass metabolism, uh, which we all know there's a lot of gut dysfunction out there and allows for a more effective absorption of some of the ingredients into, uh, into your well, body. And so uh, buccal mucosa, it is a unique mechanism. You don't see much of it uh, in, with the exception of, as you mentioned, hormones, things like oxytocin also get delivered uh, oftentimes via buccal trochee, uh, but it is a unique mechanism within the supplement industry for sure. Okay. Now let's dive into, let's just go right into nootropics and, 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 and what we're both, we both have blue mouse. We, Hopefully, yeah. I'm going to try and have this video edited so we can <laughs> put the video up because it's kind well, of humorous. Gotta, but you got to stick your tongue out. Yeah. People, in, uh, people on my, follow me on Instagram and my Facebook page see the blue tongue mm -hmm. because I, since I found these little, tro this amazing company called Troscriptions, uh, during the biohacking summit at, from Dave Asprey, you were one of the vendor mm -hmm. uh, booths. You were one of the vendors. Of course, this year, uh, with COVID and all, it was the conference was virtual. Mm -hmm. As with many conferences I've been to this fall and, and you know this last weekend I did the microbiome summit. But this is a I bought four of these packs and I I didn't buy True Blue to start with or just mm -hmm. Blue. I yep. bought all four packs of the Blue uh, Canatine, mm -hmm. and I. The first time I did it, I did the quarter of a trochee. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. And it was, it was like, it was almost euphoric and to a, a point. Wow. It, it really just, I was sitting here trying to get some work done. And I'm familiar with nootropics a lot because I like to dabble in them and see what they do. But when I did this, especially because I'm fixing my neurotransmitters, so nootropics for any of those that are listening deal with the brain, the cognitive function in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so since I've been fixing my neurotransmitters, I've been dabbling with different nootropics to fix that. But this one I took and I was sitting down to get some work done. And I was just like, just so laser focused mm -hmm. for that time. And it was like, I was getting, knocking stuff out like left and right. My mind wasn't scattered. You know, I didn't have my traditional, you know, my OCDism. It was yep. just like, boof. So I, that's when I reached out to you because I was like, I reached out to Neutro, I reached out to Troscripts and you answered me back. I'm like, awesome. Because this thing's amazing. And I need, people need to know about it. Where should your body be in a health state before you try these? Yeah. So, um, if it's okay, I want to describe, like, I want to define nootropics here a little bit. Absolutely. Um, because I think there needs to be a new definition in the sense, and actually, uh, Ted, my mentor, just proposed this at uh, Paleo FX Virtual Summit this past weekend. 
But um, to, uh, if you look at the current definition of nootropics, or at least how people uh, use it, the the old definition, uh, which was actually around 19, I think it was 1972, uh, which was when the old definition was coined. And it was essentially any cognitive enhancer, which li- had limited downside to your brain. Okay, that's something to go on, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, but the definition that often gets used in this space that we call biohacking is just any cognitive enhancer because a lot of biohackers will take stuff that will just make you focus, but <laughs> there may be a significant downside. Now, remember, when there is always a trade-off here in terms of when you lift up your brain, there's always a trade-off in terms of going down if you're not doing it correctly. And so the new definition of nootropics that we want to propose is any agent, influence, or lifestyle which optimizes the health of the brain and or optimizes the ability to perform a task, right? And so we added the element of lifestyle there because if we're optimizing the health of our brain, there's a significant amount of lifestyle there. And so you asked a very, very thoughtful question, which is what kind of state do you need to be in before taking nootropics? And so some of this is that lifestyle component that I talked about. Uh, So ideally, uh, you want to be in a state where you're sleeping, ideally seven hours or more a night. Now, I know for somebody that's going about four hours a night, uh, it's very hard to transition right into that seven to eight, but you want to transition into there. You want to be eating a diet that is um, not the standard American diet, which would be uh, kind of an embarrassment to our ancestors. So avoiding things like fast food, you know, I I like to make diets a little bit simplistic for people. It's just, if you can eat fruits, veggies, a a diminutive amount of fruit, vegetables, fish, meat, and have some healthy fats, meaning, you know, grass-fed butter, ghee, olive oil, avocado oil, you're probably going to be okay. Now, you can start certainly start to add things to that afterwards or take some stuff away depending on your own individual need. But you want to have a sound diet, and that's because you need your gut microbiome to be functioning well. But also your diet does influence you in other ways, of course. You want to have a healthy environment. So I always tell people stressing well is very, very important. The crowd that I deal with in my, my high-performance health pra- practice is predominantly entrepreneurs. These are guys that run multi-million dollar businesses. They're stressed as hell. (laughs) But are you stressing well? Because your experience of of this product is going to be dependent on how you are in the first place. A nootropic will only take your cells a little bit past where they naturally can go. And so one of the reasons why I alluded to the measurement practice that we get into with health optimization medicine practice is because if you are deficient or if you have heavy metals in your system, there's a chance that your cells are not going to be working as, as good as they can. There's a chance that your brain is not going to be working as good as it can. And so you need to do a lot on the lifestyle and nutrient side of things before you start going into these these things that we call, well, I mean, we, we just proposed a new definition here, but we're going to look at just different tiers of nootropics here in a second. But looking at brain health optimization nootropics, but also brain performance optimization nootropics, and we'll talk about blue tropics after that too. 
All right, let's uh, let's just talk. Let's go right to true, just blue. Yeah, sure. That's that's the, that's the flagship, wasn't it? Uh, so blue cannon two was actually the okay. flagship. Okay. And so let's let's actually. I want to build. Let me build on the idea of the nootropic here for a second, and Absolutely. I'll come around. I'll come around into blue canatine and just okay. blue. So recalling earlier that I redefine nootropics as any agent, influence, or lifestyle which helps optimize the health of the brain and or optimizes the ability to perform a task. And so we now classify nootropics into three different categories. And so the first thing that we want to look at is brain health optimization. And so from a lifestyle perspective, this is sleep, right? This is sleep is certainly one of them. And so sleep would be uh, the activation of the glymphatic system. The glymphatic system actually works by um, cerebral spinal fluid going up and into your brain and carrying out a lot of the toxins that you build up over the day, things like adenosine, but also uh, amyloid beta and others. Now, from a brain health optimization, from a supplement perspective, you can think of something like L-tyrosine. And so L-tyrosine in its pathway is a, a mechanism by which to create dopamine. So if we're looking at creating flow states, but you are deficient in dopamine or something like that, L-tyrosine can certainly contribute to that. So that's that's a very basic look at brain health optimization. You can also look at things like uh, meditation, even uh, gamma frequency meditation are certainly ways to optimize the health of your brain. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, certainly a way to do that. The next class of nootropics are brain performance optimization. And so we need to define performance here. And defining performance requires looking at the definition of fitness. And fitness is just simply uh, the ability to generate work in order to perform a task. And so when we think of brain performance optimization, that kind of goes back to that 1972 definition, uh, which was originally formulated by the guy who created or um, synthesized pure acetam. But looking at nootropics as a method of enhancing learning and memory. And so this is where brain performance optimization, we can start to look at at things like modafinil come into this category. And that's been used by, I think, as the Canadian Air Force at some point to test their uh, their pilots on their ability to uh, to do dogfights after zero hours of sleep, uh, which is an interesting thing to do. Now, going back to what I said earlier about the biohackers way of looking at, at nootropics, uh, there is a significant downside to pulling an all-nighter and then taking modafinil, right? Like you feel like crap after you come down. Um, but what we do here is we're looking at different substances that increase our ability to perform a task. And so we have brain performance optimization class. We have brain health optimization class. Now, there's actually another class of nootropics, which we have actually termed neutro- or, sorry, blue tropics. And the reason for that is because the quintessential blue tropic is methylene blue. And so uh, blue tropics is actually a chemical compound or stack of chemical compounds, which is able to perform both brain health optimization and brain performance optimization. So methylene blue is one of the ingredients in blue canatine. And so methylene blue is also the only ingredient in just blue. 
Methylene blue uh, serves a, a number of benefits. It has a fascinating history in, in the sense that it was the first chemical, uh, actually, uh, first drug issued by the FDA, and it was used to uh, treat malaria. Now, prior to that, it was used as a dye in genes, and it has a history of being used as a dye in the medical world, but also for treating something that I always struggle to pronounce this, so you have to bear with me here, Tom, uh, something called methylglomemia, which has a lot to do with uh, oxygen's ability to get into the cells. And so it has this fascinating medical history, but it also <laughs> has some very unique properties to it in the sense that it is an electron donor in uh, the Krebs cycle. So it helps produce more ATP within our cells, ATP being the predominant currency of energy within our bodies. It also helps with memory, both spatial and non-spatial memory. It is an auto-oxidant, meaning that in cases where you need to have an oxygen donor, it can do that. When you need to have an oxygen receiver, it can do that as well. And so it's this beautiful compound that can also, that helps with brain performance in terms of the mitochondria, but brain health in terms of this oxidation property, as well as uh, looking at memory as well. And so the quintessential blue tropic is actually methylene blue. Now, just blue, which is the second release that we had, has 16 milligrams of methylene blue in it. And you cut that up into quarters and you can find out your own individual dose. I like to do eight milligrams when I take Just Blue. Um, some people like four, some people like 16. Uh, I will tell you that it does turn everything blue. Um, so when I've run high dose methylene blue at home, uh, I have done things like dyed my toilet seat. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you can imagine that when, when you go to the bathroom, you end up... Um, you can end up peeing blue. And it's not to be surprised, like it just happens. Uh, it, methylene blue is also an antifungal and an antiviral, uh, which is fascinating because uh, you know it's used in other ways for uh, being a fish tank cleaner. Now, we right. use pharmaceutical grade methylene blue. And I think that's very important for people to realize is that if you're not going pharmaceutical grade, you run the risk that that whatever that percentage is that is not methylene blue is potentially heavy metals or some other substance that you just do not know. And so we use pharmaceutical grade uh, methylene blue in all of our products. And all of our products are precision dosed. So you know exactly what you're getting, 16 milligrams of methylene blue. They're pharmaceutical grade and they're physician formulated. Ted is directly involved in all of it. And you know we have a team that works directly on the formulations. I get to be one of the early guinea pigs, of course. And so Just Blue is 16 milligrams of methylene blue. Blue canatine is five milligrams of methylene blue. It's also 50 milligrams. And this is in one full trochee. And again, I typically use a half. Uh, some people use a quarter. We've got a couple of bodybuilders that use two, uh, which is interesting. Two? Yeah, they use two. Um, but it, it's I'll, I'll get to the correlations on okay. dosing here in a second. But um, it's, uh, and then it's, one milligram of nicotine and a non-tobacco derived, and then uh, a certain small bit of what is called hemp canna, or you can think of that as something very close to CBD. And so uh, let's go through those ingredients by order of least controversial to most controversial. 
Um, so caffeine is obviously an awareness molecule. It helps uh, bring awareness. And you know, it's probably one of the oldest nootropics that we're all familiar with, right? Uh, coffee is something that I like to enjoy almost every single day. Uh, from there, we have hemp canna, which is uh, the hemp canna is, think of that as CBD, which is uh, in the case of blue canatine, serves to actually round off the effects of uh, nicotine. And so if you were to take pure nicotine, which I'm able to do here in the European Union because you can get a spray, uh, but if you're able to take pure nicotine, it can be a very, very harsh effect. Uh, but the hemp canna serves to round that off and actually extend the experience. At least that's what we think it does. And the nicotine is one milligram. And so nicotine is somewhat of a com uh, controversial compound. And I just did a podcast with uh, the world's leading expert on nicotine uh, this week. And Dr. Neil Grumberg has been on my show. He's a good friend. And I quite, I quite enjoy our conversations. And so nicotine has this obviously perception because of uh, what happened with the cigarette world, right? And so obviously it, it is addictive. Um, now the question is, is what, how much is addictive? And so uh, the going research around this is somewhere between four and eight milligrams a day is around addictive. And so we only give you one and we cap you out at four max per day. And so uh, why is nicotine important? Well, nicotine helps with verbal fluidity. Nicotine brings you up when you're down. It brings you down when you're up. It's a beautiful thing and it helps your brain fire on a lot of cylinders, which is uh, one of my, it's probably my favorite single compound nootropic. And obviously we just touched on methylene blue, which uh, I went into in detail when we talked about just blue as well. Okay. Nicotine has a, like, like you said, the cigarette company kind of, and when I tell people there's nicotine in it, they freak oh. out and it's like, yeah. but nicotine is actually a nootropic. It is. It is. It's one of, um, it's, it's just such a fascinating compound, right? And I, I just encourage people to separate. If you want to look at why we're influenced the way we right. are, it's because we had this, we were told, at least when I was when I was growing up and the, t the tobacco trials were actually going on, or even if you were before that, you associated uh, nicotine and cigarettes with cancer. And it's certain, cigarettes certainly do cause cancer, but we can look at nicotine in isolation. And we can look at nicotine in patches and people that have gone off of cigarettes. Uh, and so let's acknowledge something. Cigarettes come with a lot of other stuff in them. Um, cigarettes are also typically two milligrams or more of nicotine per cigarette. And so what you're doing is you're using the what cigarette companies were doing. They're using the nicotine as the addiction hook, but they're including a lot of other stuff in it. A lot of those other things were poisons to our bodies. And so we have a lot of data on people with patches and going through uh, using patches to get them and gums and those kind of things to get themselves off of cigarettes. And there's not very many complaints out there about the effects of those patches and things. But also let's look at just, there needs to be a conversation started and I'm glad we're having it here today, Tom, uh, around the positive effects of nicotine because what else can nicotine do? Like I can take nicotine for verbal fluency before I go on a podcast. I could take nicotine uh, when I'm feeling 
down and I want to feel a little bit up. It almost has, like, I don't want to use the term adaptogen because that word is a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a more controversial term for me because adaptogens imply that one substance can change your entire system, which I think is not entirely true. Uh, but it's it brings you down, uh, or it brings you down when you're too far up. It brings you up when you're too far down. I use it for sports, and so I can use nicotine to help me focus when it comes to sports. And it just allows me to have this very calm but extremely dedicated focus to a given task. Yeah, I I love it. This as a pre workout. I mean, pre workout per se. I mean, I'll take it about. 30 minutes, I'll put it in my mouth on my drive to the gym. And it was, well, you know, because you visited Atlanta, 15 miles takes you about 45 minutes. It could take four hours sometimes. Right. <laughs> so I usually put it in my gum as I'm driving to the gym. And it really, I usually, I use a quarter, right? Yeah. A quarter for the gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, like, doing like a functional med- or a functional workout not CrossFit per se, because I'm a little too old for the hurt, jerky moves and the heavy weights, but I, I enjoy something that's fun and functional, like sledgehammering your tire and yeah. throwing balls against the wall and slamming of balls course. on the ground. So it really helps. And that's, I, I, that, the, whole, the whole feel is amazing during the workout. And I think I... I and the and I might, honestly, I think that the hemp crystals or the CBD portion of this really just fine pulls those all together and whole, like fine tunes them and calms. It's almost like a calming effect. Yeah, it is. So if you think about um, the properties of hemp canna, uh, hemp canna or uh, cannabidiol. Um, is an anxiolytic. And it's something that, uh, so anxiolytics by definition help with anxiety and stress. And so uh, if you look at that, and if you were to do a side-by-side, and I can do this because I have both substances here, but taking direct nicotine is a very sharp, sharp hit um, to the system. And it's not to say that I still don't use direct nicotine. I definitely do, but it's, it's a sharper hit. But when you have those hemp crystals in there, it enables you to uh, have more of a rounded experience. So it's not like I get this knee jerk reaction right away. I don't know about you, Tom, but I, I, when I take mucanotine, I don't have that knee jerk reaction where I'm like, Oh man, headache, which is what I get with nicotine. Um, but with lucanotine, I certainly don't get that. Right. Yep, exactly. I'm 100% with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Because it it definitely, it, there's no headache. It's really just laser focused and like task oriented. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. like I said, it's almost, you. I, I, I don't know if euphoric's a strong word for it, but it's, it just kind of hit me when I started. It was like, wow. Because I was just, I sat down here at the computer and I was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was done. I'm like, wow. And usually my OCD will kick in and say, oh, I, what, what's this? What's this over here? You know, but no, it was like, anyway. So, at, at, you know, at transcriptions, we like to say that um, blue canatine has, provides sort of a wide focus. So you can still, you can get a lot done, but you can have broad perspective. I like to use blue canatine when public speaking because... I could talk to somebody right. and 
I can still read body language. It's right. perfect for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then just blue is sort of what we call the, the bright focus or the ability to singularly focus on a task. And so, um, you know, I don't like if there were a nootropic for taxes, I would say just blue is probably it. Right. right. Now, before we dive into just blue, well, mm-hmm. we're actually, we're going to dive into just blue. We're going to dive into methylene blue in there because we really just touched based on nicotine, caffeine, and hemp crystals here. So let's just go there. I mean, let's dive into just blue and, and, and methylene blue. And methylene blue, like you said, or as you said to, to your point earlier, that it's been around for a long, long time, I think 1876 or some kind of yeah. crazy number like that. And it's yeah. like you said, it was used for malaria. And, and now... There's been some studies showing its use for the coronavirus. Mm. Yeah, so let's um, let's talk about this because uh, it, you bring up a lot of very valid points. So methylene blue, as I alluded to earlier, has this very long and uh, colored, pardon the pun, history uh, in the the medical and um, just general health world. And so, yes, in the 1890s, it was the first drug approved by the FDA that was used to treat malaria. It was used as a dye to help us identify nerve cells. Mm. Um, it was used as a dye to uh, make blue jeans. It's been used as a, um, <laughs> as a way to clean fish tanks. It's been used as a dye in surgeries so that people could... Um, people could see what they were doing. It's been used as uh, a dye within medications so that doctors can see if their patients were actually taking the medications. And it's got this very, very long and interesting history in, in the drug world. It's also been studied, and you alluded to this, I'm really glad you brought it back up, uh, for a number of different things. And these are studies that people send us and, of course, are very publicly available. So it's been studied in um, pre-COVID-19 coronaviruses, so other coronaviruses other than uh, COVID-19. It's been studied in uh, in use for neurodegenerative diseases, and part of the mechanism of action there is around cytochrome oxidase, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot to do with the mitochondria topic that we talked about earlier. It's been studied, uh, well, it, it is an antifungal, uh, which is why it's used in in um, fish tanks, but um, I've used it personally and have enjoyed it for just sort of gut health and, as well. Um, and it's also been studied uh, going back to the neurodegenerative side of things and sort of benefits to spatial and non-spatial memory. So it's a it's a fantastic compound that you know uh, my friend Dr. Grumberg likes to call nicotine the most fascinating compound in the world. Well, if nicotine is the most fascinating compound or chemical in the world, I think he used the term drug, actually. I, I think methylene blue is probably the second most fascinating. So There's a lot yeah. of uses for it. And yeah. also uh, Alzheimer's being one of them. Yep, exactly. It's also great for reducing oxidative stress. Yeah. And so, go ahead. It, part of what I talked about a little bit earlier was this idea of auto-oxidation. And so oxidative stress fundamentally, if we look at um, 
a redox cycle. It's a balance between antioxidants. I'm just simplifying it for the, for the listeners, but it's a balance between antioxidants and oxidative stress, right? And it's constantly trading on and off. And let's say you have too much stress, you have too many reactive oxygen species, uh, which eventually become oxidative stress. Uh, and then you have antioxidants. And so what methylene blue as an autooxidant can do is when you need antioxidants, can uh, can act as an antioxidant for you. So it's a uh, it's fantastic chemical for that. Yeah. As far as, is there any instance health-wise why someone should not take methylene blue? It's a very, very good question. So methylene blue, uh, when taken with an SSRI, can potentially produce something called serotonin syndrome, which can be fatal. Uh, there are certain genetic variants, and the SNP actually escapes me, of people that should not take methylene blue. Uh, but in general, the biggest one that we flag to people is the taking of SSRIs, or because there is a psychedelic renaissance going on right now, uh, right. taking uh, psychedelics which may act on serotonin during your consumption of methylene blue is highly not recommended. Okay. I mean, the dose isn't huge in these, like 16 milligrams is pretty, yeah. and that's for the whole trochee. If you were to it divide is. that trochee in fours, it's only four milligrams. So you're therefore reducing your risk of pretty much any kind of side effect, in my opinion. But Yeah, and methylene blue does have a dose-dependent curve, right? And so if you look at um, uh, Francisco Gonzalez Lima's research around methylene blue, a lot of what he says sort of the uh, the the smaller doses of methylene blue that have benefit are less than three milligrams per kilogram, which again, we're talking about blue canatine having five in total, just blue having 16 milligrams in total. And he's talking about three mg per kg, right? And so at the top end where it becomes more harmful and uh, methylene blue then can contribute to can oxidative stress, is around five milligrams per kilogram. And so five milligrams per kilogram for me, and I'm an 85 uh, kilogram person, is 540, or sorry, 440 uh, milligrams of methylene blue. And we're talking about five right. or 16. Right. Now, the other thing that came to my mind, I mean, it's with Alzheimer's especially, because Alzheimer's is one of those things that, my mother or my dad's side of the family had a history of. Yeah, my grandmother had it. And uh, mine too, my aunt, my mm -hmm. other aunt, and my other aunt. And somehow my other aunt has it still pretty sharp. Really sharp. But Alzheimer's, if you have Alzheimer's as a pre-existing, as you already have it, how will this, like if, take my aunt, who's really suffering from it, if she was yeah. to take it at this point, would it help at all? Uh, there hasn't been any studies okay. uh, related to that. So, okay. and, and also, I can't comment necessarily on disease states, right? Because it's uh, it's something it, it's not been covered on the literature. Uh, if you want to look at the research. Uh, Francisco did do a lot of research right. into neurodegenerative disease, and so I'd point people that way. Okay, all right. Um, when they're looking at that, fair enough. And I don't want anybody that's got has Alzheimer's to go just dropping a bunch of yeah. Blue, I'm, I'm not able. Blue. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm going to dive into a couple other topics before we wrap this up. Please. Which one's your personal favorite? 
of the two? Oh, you know, it's funny is that I have, I like them both. I use them both uh, quite frequently. So I don't use them every day uh, in the sense that I don't think I I need to use nootropics every day. I have a fairly well-functioning brain, but I use them both in different situations. And what do I mean by that? So if I have a day where it's a lot of process work, uh, meaning that I just have the to-do list in front of me and I have to go bam, 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 bam. Perhaps it's doing uh, client logs or perhaps it's something related to accounting. Then Just Blue is my go-to. Again, okay. because it's that sort of uh, bright focus. Task is right in front of me and I'm ready to rock. Uh, for a, a lot of my role within um, transcriptions and the parent company is revolving around strategy. And so strategy requires sort of this wide focus and looking at the bigger picture and saying, what are the elements at play? It's sort of looking at the whole environment, but looking at the entire ecosystem by which we play in, in the environment. Then I'm taking blue canotine because it helps me uh, strategically think better. Um, I've noticed that it's helped me make connections that I may have not seen before. And so when I was, and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who do take blue canotine as well, and they get the same effects. And so it's just like, okay, uh, there's something there. Now, blue canotine is also very effective for public speaking for me. Uh, It's also very effective for, uh, actually both are quite effective for workouts, but uh, I use blue canotine for longer duration workouts to keep me focused. Okay. It's funny, I was just thinking about a comment I made about psilocybin and how the popularity was risen. I was thinking back to my days in the 70s. Kind of like, it kind of hit me later than when you said it, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that being inter- very interesting if you did the uh, microdose psilocybin on top of the blue. Yeah. I mean, I, I played around with I, I live in Amsterdam right. where uh, magic truffles are certainly legal. I played around with it. And um, it, it's, I mean, I am a very strong advocate, and I'm allowed to say right. this publicly, of the, the use of psych- responsible psychedelic use. Right. And I think that there is something there in terms of. Uh, benefits to the brain. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Is there anything you think we missed of today? Today, yeah. Uh, so, if you want to, let's let's talk a little bit about just transcriptions and kind of what what okay. that's about. Because I, I mentioned earlier, health optimization medicine and practice, and so health optimization medicine and practice is our nonprofit, and that's aiming at educating doctors and other practitioners at how to optimize for health rather than treating disease. We do that predominantly through nutrient and hormone balancing. There's several modules up on the website right now that will allow people to educate uh, on topics like metabolomics, the gut immune system, epigenetics, et cetera. Uh, The connection here to all of this uh, is the parent company Smarter Not Harder Inc owns transcriptions and transcriptions actually is in place to serve the nonprofit health optimization medicine and practice. When we were formulating blue canatine and just blue originally, uh, the original idea came about because uh, Ted, the founder, was traveling all around the world and experiencing a hell of a lot of jet lag. What's the first thing that happens when you have jet lag? Well, your short-term memory starts to go. And so what did he do? He created his own formulation, just as any classic entrepreneur does. And he created his own formulation. That formulation ended up being blue canotine. And so transcriptions actually 
goes to serve the broader nonprofit in terms of the products that we produce. If you look at health optimization medicine practice, it functions on nutrition and or uh, nutrient and hormone balancing. Those take uh, at least three months. And so most people come in with some sort of ailment that needs to be dealt with right away. And so prescriptions provides that. Uh, Blue Canadine provides a benefit to short-term memory. Uh, we're going to be coming out with products in the new year related to sleep, pain, and anxiety. And so those are all things that I hope people will look forward to. We're also going to be making an entrance into the THC market if you're in California, uh, because we ultimately are looking at uh, the endocannabinoid system and recognizing that people do have quite a, a deficiency there. And the endocannabinoid system is something that we've only really been able to delve into since the late nineties and, uh, being able to enhance endocannabinoid tone through these truckies is one of our missions as well. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. One other thing I have is this is from, I, I don't remember where I heard it, but and like the other day I went into to work in the, in the, cause I just recently took a job or a position working with a physician to help with the weight loss program and also hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. And I took one of these in the morning <laughs> and my mouth was all blue and everybody's laughing at me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, how do you get rid of this blue mouth? <laughs> so I, how do you get rid of it? Good question. Uh, the first thing that we like to say to people is like, why? Because we always say like blue is the new smart. And so if you're, smart, you'll have a blue mouth, right? Right. Uh, But it's a very valid one. And some people, particularly the industry that I used to come from, uh, can't necessarily walk around with a blue mouth all day long. And so uh, what are the ways to get rid of it? Well, it'll naturally fade in some cases, six to 12, six to 10 hours. Uh, This is where I usually like to manage people's expectations too. Uh, But if you want to accelerate that process, what are the common things that help? Uh, Baking soda and water certainly seem to be the most effective. We've had somebody say raw goat milk, though I haven't tried that one myself. Yeah, you know, the guy who said it is a big fan of raw goat milk, so uh, (laughs) he may be biased a little bit. The, um, The other things that seem to work are sparkling water, coffee, and of course, food. Uh, anything that will just graze your tongue will help pull away some of the color. Okay. I've been doing that. I don't mind the blue tongue as much as I do the blue teeth. Yeah. So the and blue I teeth see is... you've got a half, you've got the half blue going yeah. today. I've so got a there's... full blue because I kind of move mine around. So you've got what we call full Smurf mode. And right. so I have half Smurf mode because it, if you look at it, technically the way you should do it is to just leave it on one side okay. and you'll end up with just half. And if you put it far enough back in your mouth, not quite back to the molars because or your, where your wisdom teeth would be, uh, because that's where a lot of saliva congregates. But if you were to put it sort of in kind of your upper jaw, it's not that easy for uh, it to spread around on your teeth. Okay. So it's, and also you'll end up in half smurf mode, which is what I am okay. in right now. Uh, look, both are fun. Both are going to give you a cognitive benefit. But in general, you know, half smurf mode is a good way to avoid uh, some of those situations. Right. I'm going to switch to half smurf for a while and see what happens. There you go. All right. 
And the question I have for you while we were doing this, and I had one written down that I'm going to change up right now. Mm-hmm. But what are some, we talked about sleep. Yeah. And sleep's fascinating to me because I've struggled with it since I've got off the Seroquel. But a lot of people struggle with sleep, a lot, especially these days with the stress levels and in the country, in the world, not just America anymore, but the world are all dealing with this COVID-19 and the stress is at all-time high. People, what are some of your favorite sleep hacks? Mm. <clears throat> I know I have mine, uh, like blue blue, yeah. like blue box, for yeah. sure. I, I'm just, uh, give me a moment to, okay. to look around and see what I have here. <laughs> so... Um, Let's see how many we end up coming up with. Uh, Number one is sunlight. Uh, So we talked earlier about chronobiology and the idea of biological rhythms. Our entire body runs on these rhythms. The rhythm, the most familiar rhythm to us is sleep-wake cycle. And what's the number one cue of that is the number one cue to our suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is where all of these rhythms are kind of, or one of the circadian rhythm is centralized. Um, is sunlight. And so getting sunlight first thing in the morning and somewhat in the evening, if you can, is good. Um, And so that helps sync the rhythm. So that's kind of my top sleep hack. Number two would be blue light blockers. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I work deeply in business development and strategy for the parent company of transcriptions as well as intranscriptions itself. And so it's very, and that company is predominantly in California. That's nine time zones away from me. And so there are cases where I spend a lot of time in the evening on my computer. I've come to be able to deal with that through technologies that block blue light, blue light blocking glasses, certainly being one, uh, getting a good filter on your monitors being another. F. Lux is okay. Iris is probably my preferred one. And, you know, utilizing those effectively. Uh, Other things that I I do enjoy, uh, cold plunging in the late afternoon to early evening is uh, actually, I don't need afternoon coffee because of that. Um, I don't like to drink afternoon coffee anyway, because caffeine disrupts my sleep cycles. But going for a plunge here in the canal is is a good one. Uh, Taking your last meal three hours before bedtime or more is very, very effective for me to get good deep sleep. And so I like to, I like to regulate my meal times. And then of course, I think the last one that I'll give for today is time restricted feeding. So just right. keeping eating windows throughout the day and sticking to those from day to day. That all okay. goes back to the biological rhythms that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I, I have Iris on my laptop because I work, you know, till nine it's kind of like you, we're entrepreneurs and yeah. we, uh, you know, this laptop and my two screens have a lot to do with my circadian rhythm and my sleep. So mm-hmm. I wear the glasses, I have the iris and uh, light sunlight. Of course, going to school in Minnesota, that had to be difficult at some point. Here. Of course, back then you weren't dealing with it. Yeah, much. I didn't really, I mean, <laughs> my circadian rhythms were, I, I had back then what would be called social jet lag today which right. you know I, I was in a fraternity partying all weekend long all right. that stuff. so my life was very different than right. it is today but yeah i mean keeping uh, so amsterdam is similar in, in the sense that 
the sun now goes down at 4 p.m. Okay. Usually this time of year, my fiance and I would go south for a month or two just to kind of uh, gather some sun before coming back for the new year. Uh, that's not happening this year. And so what I've done is I'm building a UVB lamp. Why? Because UVB helps produce vitamin D. I still make the time though when I can't, I still make the time every single day to get outside and get as much sun as possible. Right. Yeah, me too. All right. Last question. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you being here today. And this doesn't have anything to do with health and wellness. What album or artist would you listen to if you had 45 minutes to kill or just chill out? Oh, such a good question. The Doors are my favorite band of all time. Okay. And so uh, I could listen to Jim Morrison. And the crew just jam Interesting. Uh, consistently. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Every, don't get me wrong. Like I, I love electronic music, love hip hop music. I right. love, I even like my girlfriend's, she grew up in New Zealand, was born in Korea. So like I have K-pop exposure too, but the doors are hands down my favorite band of all time. So give me a doors album and I'll just sit around and enjoy nice. life. Nice. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Tom, this has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. And Thank before you we me. go, I just got my email from Transcriptions. If you want a discount on these magical little trokies, use the code REBEL. And I believe it's 5% off? That's 10% off. 10% off? Okay, there so, you go. Yeah, so use the code REBEL, and we're going to give you guys 10% off. All right. And, um, you know... Let us know what you think. You can tag transcriptions on social media at transcriptions. Right. Um, we share pretty much everything that people people tag when they tag their blue tongues. Um, oh, yeah. And show us show us if you're in half smurf mode, you're in full smurf mode, and you know how you're enjoying things because yeah. um, we love That's, to hear feedback from the yeah, absolutely. Nation. And it's in my opinion, it's amazing. It's probably one of the finer nootropics that I've tried in the in, in the last couple of years since I've been dabbling in nootropics. Thank you. I appreciate you for taking the time out today and uh, maybe when this all COVID goes away and you're in Roswell we'll do a round two look me up and I'll meet you over at that uh, the brewery over there in Roswell have a good beer together. Perfect. Thank right. you sir. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.